You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. This Into Tomorrow podcast is hosted by our partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. You can get 30 days of podcast hosting free by simply visiting their website at blueberry.com. That's like a blueberry without the E's. So it's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. It's the weekend of Friday the 13th of August, our 26th year on the air. Welcome Into Tomorrow. Cameron's in the control room. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And from the Dexcom G6 studios, always know where your glucose is headed and how fast. Be sure to visit D-E-X-C-O-M, Dexcom. We hope everyone is doing well, staying healthy, while you are tuned into tomorrow here on radio, the original social media. We're born on the radio, you know, raised by technology. That's what we tell everyone. Yeah. And I think it's accurate. Tis. Tis. And, of course, we've got some tech news and commentary. We've got Rich in Virginia standing by. And just as importantly, several other folks calling into the program. You can do the same. You don't have to wait till you hear us on the radio. You can call anytime at your leisure, 24-7. Participate because why? We're in the middle of our big, cool, into tomorrow, hot summer giveaway. Way, way, way. <laughs> you sound so excited. <laughs> and we are, however, in the middle of said giveaway, which is very important because... You know, as Cameron is always saying, Call in, win stuff. Thank you. Yep. And he's very excited because he just heard himself on the radio from the control room, from the studio, in the control room. And we couldn't make it any easier for you to call in and win stuff. We've got several ways you can do it. You could actually call in using our phone number, the old-fashioned phone device that actually uses phones. Okay, and how one how might one do that? 800-899-4686. That's 800-899-INTO. You could use uh, your smartphone or tablet or any smart device to, uh, that has the Into Tomorrow app, any iOS or Android device, and there's a message to studio button there. You can record a message and send it to us. Or the newest and uh, quickly becoming the most popular way to participate is using oh, yeah. our... I'm, I'm seeing Rich coming up used the Ask Dave button. Yes. On our site at intotomorrow.com, you'll see a little red microphone with the words Ask Dave. Just like with our app, you can use that to record uh, a question, a comment, help for listener, uh, tech raise, anything. And that you can do on any device with a browser and a mic. Yes. So visit intotomorrow.com and participate in that very manner. Yeah. And win prizes, because we've got a lot of stuff. And if you are not familiar with the kinds of things we're giving away this year, we've got about $15,000 worth of goodies piled up in the hallway leading to the studio, floor to ceiling. And we're sending the stuff out just as quick as we can. Then visit intotomorrow.com and click on the summer giveaway post. And they list everything. They are good about that, are they not? They are. They are. And uh, then we always say no promises, no guarantees, because the lawyers make us say that. But list three or four items when you call in. Let us know what you'd like, and we'll do our best to get one or more of those items to you. 
some folks are asking for all kind of cool stuff that we're sharing. But remember, it's got to be some of the stuff we have. People are asking for an electric vehicle. That's not in the summer giveaway. People are asking for a MacBook. Not in the summer giveaway. We have never in our 26 years been able to get Apple to, you know, give anything. Oh, Apple give away on doesn't the show. give anything away. You know, why, why are they, you know, the richest company? Because they just take all your money and don't give anything. Yeah. So, yeah, forget Apple. Uh, but. But don't ask for stuff we don't have for giveaway. I mean, you can ask for it. It's fine. But it just makes everybody here kind of chuckle and say they're either not paying attention or they didn't go to the post or whatever. So, but please, ask for several of the items that we do have. And we'll try to see if we can't get one or more to you. Yeah, That's how that works. Yes. Uh, earlier this week, Samsung had a very meh event. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you thought of that's it? What, that's what I think. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Samsung things anyway, so I think all their events are just meh. Yeah. But, I have the, was, the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G and meh. It could be better. I'm, I'm happy with it. It's okay. But I'm not going to run out and buy one of the new foldable phones because that was not? their big announcement was in their <laughs> unpacked event. They unpacked some foldable phones, among other things. Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned the foldable phones. They announced the Galaxy Z Fold 3, which is the third iteration of, uh, I saw one journalist refer to it as the hot dog style folding phone approach. Now, why like do you that. think they call it the hot dog style? Well, because the, the hinge is sort of, you know, top and bottom, so it kind yeah. of folds in half like a hot dog bun. Okay, good. Um, but uh, they managed to drop the price of that one, so it went down from 2000 to $1,800. Still $1,800 <laughs> for a phone. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but they say it's got a stronger aluminum frame, a more durable folding display, and it's waterproof, which Whoop apparently is the first Samsung device to be waterproofed. Um, it's also the first Samsung device with an under-display camera, hmm. which is that you know sort of magic, dark magic, where they hide the camera behind the screen. Oh, so you don't even see right. where the camera lens is. Right. And, you know, okay. and the back of the device has three more lenses, ultra-wide, wide-angle, and telephoto lenses. And they made some announcements about the uh, Galaxy Z Flip 3 and the Galaxy Buds and the Galaxy Watch 4. We'll tell you about some of those highlights, if you will, as we continue. So just stay tuned into tomorrow with our various tech news segments. Meantime, so they just launched a subscription service for college textbooks. When you stop and think about it, it really is bizarre how prevalent the cost of books have been in all kinds of folks' conversations about college costs for the last many decades. Tuition, room, board, and books, obviously. Clothes are rather important on most college campuses, but we don't lament the cost of tuition, room, board, and clothes, but we should, perhaps. As the uh, While You Were Working Smart Brief indicated, It's good to see that a piece of higher education inching its way into the 21st century. Now, of course, let the password sharing commence. Yeah. (laughs) Because everybody's got to have those books for that class. And maybe you can do it with a subscription. Well, I share my Netflix password with you. Why don't you just share your textbook password with me? I don't know Uh how that's going to go well. Yeah. So by now, we've all heard about Jeff Bezos' trip to space and and how he had the unmitigated gall to actually thank his customers for paying for that trip. The Uh, nerve. I mean, what a... What a cocky SOB, if, yeah. you, if you actually pardon my French. Because, you know, and then he goes, well, all kidding aside, yeah. He wasn't kidding. No. It was Amazon customers who paid for that and employees who gave 
their time and effort to to get him to space, well, near space. Yeah. Well, some of those customers he thanked, however, saw the jaunt to space as a good sign to quit paying $120 annually for Amazon's wildly popular Prime subscription service. Good. One customer in a Facebook post said, quote, You guys, I just canceled my Amazon Prime membership, and I feel great about it. I am overpaying to shop on a website and or for a zillionaire's rocket ride. Just had to tell the world, I guess. Um, and that Good on them. And that wasn't the only person. A cust- another customer posted, the whole thing was such a spectacle of a single person amassing so much wealth that they simply have lost touch with the reality of the average person. Of co- well, first of all, my God, look at him. You ever hear him speak Yeah. and watch him speak? I mean, come on. Oh, the cowboy hat. Ooh, that was a big, interesting part of it all, too, wasn't yeah. it? Uh-huh. And the woo-hoo. And, well, oh, I said from the beginning that that, that sort of trip to uh, quote-unquote space was all a, an ego boost thing oh, anyway. Of course it was. And mind you, I'm not at all jealous of the guy. Good for you. You got to almost get to space. Not enough to be called an astronaut legally. <laughs> you well, had that well, in tech. Well, he had the distance to be called an astronaut, but oh. since his flight didn't, there was something about he didn't contribute to the advancement of of something. He didn't basically do anything. Just but just go up there and back. That didn't qualify as from astronaut. He didn't contribute to society. So they're not allowed to call themselves astronauts. Right. Including actually, the young kid and the old woman and so and right. his brother. And that's why you and I have referred to them as space tourists, because that's pretty much all they are. Or, in his case, a space idiot. Yeah. But I hope more people decide to not send him more money. Because what is he gonna, he's just going to blow it on a rocket ship for his ego. Uh-huh. Uh, dumb. Uh, Apple announced new features that uh, will scan iPhone and iPad users' photos to detect and report large collections of child sexual abuse images stored on its cloud services. Uh, In a statement, Apple said, uh, We want to help protect children from predators who who use communication tools to recruit and exploit them and limit the spread of child sexual abuse material, or CSAM. Uh, Apple said the detection work happens on the device and insisted that only people who have large collections of images uploaded to iCloud that match a database of known child sexual abuse material would cross a threshold that enables some of their photos to be decrypted and analyzed by Apple. Okay, now here's where the former police officer in me comes out. When and by whom was Apple sworn in to be law enforcement officers? Now, it's a shame it's about child sexual abuse by all means and and go get them whomever can get them as far as i'm concerned right just my personal opinion there they all ought to be hung by their little toes and whatever worse the point that i need to make though is i think it's a cliff that they're going over i think it's a very short distance now between that and anything else that apple doesn't agree with your politics your opinions on something, your religion. I mean, you know, don't don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not trying to suggest that those compare to child sexual abuse or anything of that sort. However, since when is Apple sworn law enforcement? That's mm-hmm. law enforcement's job. Right. And, and, I'm, and I'm with you. I'm very torn about the thing because yeah, I agree that, you know, people with those kind of things need to be punished. But where does it end? You know, where does mm-hmm. it? Where does a slippery where, slope? Right, where is that line drawn that tells these tech companies, "Okay, you can't go any further"? You know, that's too far. Is too far. I mean, up to now, it's required a subpoena. So there's got to be probable cause somewhere. There's got to be an agency investigating, etc. That's to me the legal path to do that sort of thing. And then they would subpoena basically a, a carrier 
to say we need to access this information, or Apple as a device, or Samsung, or anybody else, but not just a company saying, no, 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 we're going to do it. We're right. going to look for things that we deem inappropriate. Well, and, you know, and my, the red flag with me is, you know, they're saying that it's only going to be, you know, people that have large collections of these that pass the threshold. Okay, well, unless you're scanning every photo, how do you know who has a large collection of and who course. has a small collection? And what's so, large and small? I mean, right. Does that mean, you know, more than three, more than 100? That's, again, weird. It's like it's like you know the the smart speaker devices that say they're, they're they don't always listen. Well, they have to obviously always listen because they're listening mm-hmm. for you to say the name. Mm-hmm. As I've experienced in my new car with Alexa, mm-hmm. because always listening. Yeah, you were telling me about listening to a comedy channel the other day, and yes. got, there was a whole routine about Alexa, and every time he said the name, you had to... Yeah, this comedian whose name I forget, sorry, uh, was doing a whole routine on fighting Alexa. So if you say it in a conversation and so forth, it's usually okay. But every time he would say something using that, air quote, smart speaker's name, the Alexa went off in my car. And I had to kept kept saying, I had to keep saying, cancel. <laughs> and then I'd miss the next line or two of this comedian. I thought he was very, very accurate and hit the nail on the head. But. Always listening is accurate. Same thing, mind you, with Google Home. I mean, that's what smart speakers do. They're always listening. Except the only one that I've found that doesn't ever listen is uh, Siri, because that's every time I, you know, I keep trying to say, hey, Siri, and hey, Siri, and then I have to scream, hey, Siri, before it actually responds. Cause, that's why you push the button yeah. to get a re- I, better that's why response. I just found the button. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he said he was actually ODing on Siri, so he had to start using... Alexa instead or something is very bizarre. But uh, what can I say? Rich in Purcellville, Virginia, calling in using the Ask Dave button. Thank you, Rich, at intotomorrow.com. Hey there. I have a question for my father-in-law. He recently moved to this area and, of course, brought his TV with him. It's an LG, only about two years old, and he's had an interesting problem with it. Ever since he moved in, he shuts the TV off at night to go to bed, and about 20 minutes later, it turns itself back on. We have no idea why that is. Mm. Nothing in the settings we can find seems related to that. I was wondering if you guys have any idea why this TV is turning itself on. Well, Rich, that's a good question, one that I can relate to, and I'll share with you in a minute. But there are some TVs that do have an auto-on feature. So if you think you may have missed something in the menu, it's worth checking that carefully. That's not very likely to be the issue if it turns back on at different times on its own, so it's probably not the cause of the issue anyway. But again, could be. Check inside the house if there's anything else that may give off an infrared signal. It's not likely that an alarm system's motion sensor could make a TV turn on, but some devices may be closer to a TV's remote spectrum. And could be causing an issue. Now, the most likely culprit, though, could be a device connected to the TV via an HDMI port. Some HDMI ports have the ability to turn the TV on so that you can turn on one device, like a streaming stick or a DVD player, and have the TV automatically turn on and be ready for use. If the TV is connected to any devices via an HDMI port, it's worth unplugging them for a few days just to see if that still happens. Uh, given that this happened after a move, it also could be damaged from the move itself. Some internal component could just be broken and think that there's a reason to turn the TV on. Yeah, but I've, my experience has been very spooky with my Sony TV, and it hasn't happened in a while, knock on wood. That's my forehead. Um, but it does happen. I, it just turns on middle of the night, middle of the day even. 
you know, I'll go back into to, into the bedroom, go to use the bathroom or something. Why is the TV on? I didn't turn it on. But it's more bizarre when it happens at night, middle of the night, and all of a sudden the room's lit up and the TV's on. And I'm fumbling around in the dark for the remote to turn the TV off. Why do it do that? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to heed our own device and check a few things. Because, yeah, of course, I've got several HDMI inputs and things, and maybe one or more of those can do it. I've taken to putting in a smart plug. But then I have to remember to tell the smart speakers to turn on my TV or it won't turn on because the smart plug is off. Mm-hmm. But that's helped. So it wasn't just turning on on its own because you can turn the smart plug on and off and it didn't affect it. Yeah. But I don't know. Very weird. But, Rich, let us know if our input has helped. And do stay tuned because we have the smartest, most good-looking listeners in the world yeah, I know what what do their good looks have to do with anything, but they're smart listeners, every one of them. And others may have experienced a similar thing and can share their experience all the way into tomorrow.com. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 855-399-9886. 855-399-9886. That's 855-399-9886. As we welcome you back into tomorrow, do not forget to check your spam filter, especially if you participate on the program, especially if you've signed up for our free once-a-week tech newsletter. We've discovered some have ended up in spam. So please mark us as not spam and say everything from Graveline.com is okay. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. If you want to become a podcaster, you'll soon discover the options can be a bit overwhelming. Blueberry makes it easy. Visit blubrry.com. Stay tuned in just a few minutes. We'll be chatting with Dr. James Thomas. He's the director of the Center for Heart Valve Disease and Academic Affairs in the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute at Northwestern Medicine. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, they're pioneering the use of a digital stethoscope using AI to help screen for heart murmurs and valvular heart disease. Yeah. Pretty cool interview. Do stay tuned for that. Oh, my gosh. It's time for the cool into tomorrow hot summer giveaway. Oh, wow. The cool into tomorrow hot summer giveaway. Cam just said that, but it is well underway. and We've got goodies for you. Remember, when you call in and participate, mention three or four of them if you'd like. 
We'll do our best to get one of them to you. We've got from Cooking Pal, their Molto Smart Kitchen Appliance. It preps, cooks, and cleans after every meal. Valued at $1,000. Not surprisingly, a lot of folks asking for that. Yeah. Skosh sent a box full of stuff, including a boom bottle waterproof wireless speaker with built-in magic mount, a PowerVolt USB-C fast charger for the home, and an armband heart rate monitor. How about from Roborock, the $700 S6 Mark V robotic vacuum. True vision, smarter action with the robotic vacuum. From LFO, we've got the Eclip baby car seat alarm to give peace of mind to busy parents and save your child, and several of their e-therm infrared ear and forehead thermometers. Uh, Viper has provided a color OLED two-way security and remote start system for your car, valued at 600 bucks. Razor sent us a whole bunch of cool stuff, including their Black Widow light silent mechanical keyboard to up your productivity, and the Kayo webcam. It's perfect work from home webcam with built-in adjustable ring light as well. Do you have a car? Do you know somebody who has a car? Does that car have seatbelts? Can they? Is there a potential of a crash? Well, we've got Cut and Goes, the Into Tomorrow branded emergency seatbelt cutters and window breakers, so you'd never be trapped in an accident. Very important. From OWC, we've got USB-C travel docks to simplify your mobile connectivity and a couple of their Envoy Pro Electron 1 terabyte SSD drives. If you are a musician or aspire to be one, how about a Yamaha EAD-10 drum module? Transforms acoustic drum sounds with studio-quality digital effects. Or the SHS 500 Sonogenic Keytar enables playing without wrong notes. You get the idea? We got a bunch of stuff, and there's plenty more. Check out the entire post at intotomorrow.com. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or visit Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline. Now our 26th year on the air, bringing you the latest in cool consumer tech, products and services, gadgets and gizmos, all sorts of things available today and into tomorrow. And we, of course, are even more delighted when you join us on the program and participate on the show. Not just because we send fabulous prizes out when we hear you on the air, but because we want to answer your questions, solve your digital dilemmas, whatever the case might be. So do join us anytime at your leisure. All the details at intotomorrow.com. Our next guest is with an organization that's pioneering the use of a digital stethoscope that uses AI algorithms to accurately interpret heart sounds to help screen for heart murmurs and valvular heart disease, among other things. We're delighted to be joined by the director for the Center of Heart Valve Disease and Academic Affairs in the Blum Cardiovascular Institute, 
at Northwestern Medicine. I think that all fits on his business card, too. Dr. James Thomas. Dr. Thomas, welcome into tomorrow. How are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. Nice to talk to you and uh, your audience, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Tell me real quick first a little bit about the, the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute, and then let's get into what's happening here. Well, the Bloom Cardiovascular Institute is is the umbrella under which uh, Northwestern cardiology, cardiac surgery, and vascular surgery exists. And uh, it was uh, set up uh, by uh, um, uh, our, our institute chair, Pat McCarthy, uh, came, um, I guess, about 17 years ago. And uh, through the generous generosity of Neil Bloom, uh, we were able to set up the um, uh, BCBI. And um, that has carried forward. Uh, Mr. Bloom uh, is still uh, helping us uh, to establish the Center for Artificial Intelligence in Cardiovascular Disease. So uh, wow. it's a very much a partnership. Gotcha. That's excellent. Now, for those regular listeners of ours, they certainly are familiar with AI. We talk a lot about it on the program and machine learning. But would you share with our audience, maybe those that aren't quite familiar, uh, what exactly is artificial intelligence and machine learning? And then let's we'll get into how what you're doing is making a huge difference. Happy to. So artificial intelligence is a broad term that just means computer programs that somehow mimic the human brain. And machine learning is how you can learn from experience or learn from data uh, to produce those AI algorithms. And they're, they're concepts that have been around for 60 or 70 years. We were talking about this back in the 50s, uh, but the computer power just wasn't there. You know, fast forward, uh, you know, to about 2012 and computers are maybe a trillion times faster, <laughs> and uh, we suddenly have the power that we can implement these algorithms that people have been talking about back in the 50s. So you take um, a lot of data. You need a lot of examples, um, say, you know, pictures of a dog and a wolf, and you feed thousands of those into the machine, and it processes them, and it gets a little better and a little better and a little better. And eventually, just like a baby, it will learn to recognize the difference between a dog and a wolf. Hmm. Um, you mentioned the digital stethoscope. You know, the stethoscope has been around 200 years. It really hasn't changed much. It's a bell on the chest and, a, and two tubes into the ear. Um, but uh, now, uh, working with a, a company on the West Coast, we have a, a stethoscope that first amplifies the sound, so it's easier to hear what's going on. And um, it's also, um, um, uh, you can send those sound waves up into the cloud where an AI algorithm that's been trained on thousands and thousands of heart sounds will tell you whether there's a murmur and what it's likely to be. So no doubt this is how patients and their doctors can benefit from the use of AI and machine learning in this particular case, because it does give the doctor especially some great advantages, I'm guessing, in all sorts of diagnoses. That's right. You know, there are... um, Lots of circumstances where you may not be able to hear so well in a busy emergency room or, or there just may not be the expertise in a, uh, uh, you know, a practitioner's office or out in a rural community or something like that. Mm-hmm. We've now shown that with this uh, algorithm, we can detect severe blockage of the aortic valve in about 93 percent of 
of cases. Wow. So it really, uh, you know, and that's the key to, to better cardiac outcomes is earlier diagnosis so you can either treat or prevent what's coming down the road. Does a digital stethoscope doctor look similar to the one that's been used for 200 years? The uh, There are two models. One looks quite like the old-fashioned stethoscope. The other is more in the, the realm of the uh, uh, Bones tricorder from Star Trek. Oh, it's yeah. A, a little... Uh, <laughs> Uh, palm-sized recorder, and it can also give you an EKG. Well, and you mentioned, of course, in a, in a noisy environment or something, as a former police officer, right away I'm thinking, uh, you know, accident scenes or crime scenes or, or, you know, some scenario where you're out in the field, it would seem to me that this could be very, very helpful. Yes. Yeah, I think it, it's going to have broad application. Uh, we're still doing the research on it, but, uh, but Pat McCarthy, um, uh, our institute chair, is very interested in uh, in putting it uh, quite broadly out into the northwestern community uh, in hopes of finding more patients that we can help with uh, valve interventions. And no doubt why Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute chose to get involved in this AI program. It certainly is leading in the medical field, it sounds to me. Yes, that was really uh, the impetus was... Um, uh, you know, Pat realized this is the uh, where where the field is going, where medicine is going, and and wanted to get in on it. And and um, we now have a uh, a, a one year training program. Very, it's absolutely unique in the nation, uh, where we will take cardiology fellows who are still in their training to become cardiologists, and if they really want to learn the the um, uh, the the ropes on artificial intelligence. Uh, we send them out to our Evanston campus to work with the computer scientists uh, for a year, and they really get down in the trenches with Python programming and artificial neural networks, and uh, you know all the you know tools and techniques of uh, of AI that uh, we hope will turn them into the leaders of tomorrow in this important uh, and evolving field. Oh, no doubt. And especially uh, the younger doctors that can train on these newer technologies is only going to help not only the patients, the doctors, but the technology to advance even further. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're working... Uh, uh, in echocardiography on algorithms that can automatically do measurements inside the heart uh, that can um, uh, detect, you know, which view you're looking at, which chamber that is, and uh, characterize how the function is. And we can even do uh, like a GPS to guide a novice user in how to acquire ultrasound images of the heart. Holy cow. I can see that it's really limitless as to the kinds of things that it can do uh, to help in the health industry. So, and and it seems like you guys are really only scratching the surface. That, I think that's the key. Is we will look back on this and sort of think it was kind of quaint yes. where we were in 2021. Uh, it's a very rapidly moving field. Um, you know, three dimensional ultrasound has made. Uh, great progress in the last 10 years as well. And sure. I think when we can pair AI with three-dimensional echo, then you can automate a lot of the acquisitions and um, and it will be a much easier, much better way of, of getting uh, getting at the heart 
than uh, even what we have available today. And and literally getting to the heart of the problems as well. That's <laughs> so, right. I, I'm, I'm hearing my audience in my head saying, well, now, does this mean that robots are going to be providing my health care in the future? Is this Are we going to get away from a doctor with bedside manner and have to deal with uh, machines only? You know, everyone's afraid of the robots. <laughs> um, and uh, let me assure you, it's uh, this is a partnership. And uh, in fact, if you look at our uh, our medicine uh, institute, it's the uh, the Institute for Augmented Intelligence, not artificial. So the idea is <clears throat> you keep the physician in the loop, the AI and the robot are helpers, uh, very powerful helpers. Uh, but um, just as in chess, the combination of a human with the um, a computer will do better than the best computer in that environment. Ah, and a perfect analogy as well. And and all this does go to show that artificial intelligence or AI and machine learning does benefit us in many ways. And in this case, benefits us as patients because it's helping our doctors with better diagnosis. I think it's terrific. And we have lots to look forward to, if you will, into tomorrow. That's correct. It's uh, it, it, the 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 future is limitless terrific nm.org as in northwestern medicine nm.org is going to get you even more information to see what dr james thomas the director for the center of heart valve disease and academic affairs at the bloom cardiovascular institute at northwestern medicine we thank you dr james for spending a few minutes with us look forward to even more results and me being able to chat with you again into tomorrow as more comes out That would be my pleasure, Dave. Looking forward to it. Terrific. Thank you. We're back with more as Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline right here on the Advanced Media Network. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. That's 855-212-6536. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancel fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. This is Cameron Graveline. I bet that you have a question about anything involving consumer tech. Or maybe you want to help another one of our listeners with your experience with a similar problem. Call me anytime at 800-899-N2. See, call Cameron anytime mm-hmm. at 800-899-N2. 
Or use the Into Tomorrow app, the Message to Studio option, or... The Ask Dave button. Don't forget the K at intotomorrow.com. Thank you. And you'll see that little red microphone and Ask Dave on any browser on the right-hand side, depending on the type of browser, might be on the bottom right, and participate that way. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available wherever you live or work. Text RADIO to 35000 for more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. Jump aboard the time machine. You've got mail. Time to head into yesterday with This Week in Tech History. History, history, history. Here's Chris. Here's Chris. This is Chris's history. Oh, no. yeah. This week in 1877, a brand new telephone system was being set up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thomas Edison wrote the president of the telegraph company and stated that the word hello would be a more appropriate greeting than ahoy, as suggested by Alexander Graham Bell when answering the telephone. At the time, Edison envisioned the telephone as a business device only, with a permanently open line to parties on either end. Some people had the idea of an alarm bell at each end to alert one office that the other office wanted to speak. Edison's letter said, Friend David, I do not think we shall need a call bell as hello can be heard 10 to 20 feet away. What do you think? Now, mean you, meanwhile, or mind you, no one ever used hello before. Right. Before then. So where did that come from? I don't know. But after this, hello became the standard greeting as the first telephone exchanges equipped by Edison, of course, were set up across the U.S. and operation manuals adopted the word. That's pretty interesting. And then, of course, later with telephones became the dial-up modems, yes. which some people's Internet connection is still just as bad. Yes. <laughs> but it was interesting to learn that Thomas Edison's vision of the phone wasn't the, the phone we know today, where you can just pick up, dial a number, and be connected to anybody. It's you, you have a line on your end, and I, and, or I have a line on my end, you have a line on your end, and we pick up the line. That's the only person we can talk to. Yeah. That's what Edison envisioned the phone to be. Well, I think in the long run, that might have been which, better. Which I think <laughs> is probably where the two cans and the string came from. Yep. This week in 1915, Charles Kettering of Detroit, Michigan, patented the electric automobile self-starter. Before the electric self-starting engine, drivers had to go to the front of their car and turn a hand crank to start the engine. Yeah, they had to be cranky. Yeah. (laughs) This was a very dangerous process that sometimes caused injury when the crank would kick back and strike an unsuspecting driver. Oops. In fact, it was an incident in 1908 when a close friend of Henry Leland, the chief at Cadillac, died due to complications when an automobile crank broke his jaw. Oh, my. So Leland turned to Charles Kettering to come up with a better way to start a vehicle. Whoa. And this week in 1985, the machine that revolutionized the world's offices, the original Xerox 914 copier, took its place among the honored machines of other eras at the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of American History. The document copier had been formally introduced to the world in March of 1960, and in just 25 years, the machine invented by Chester Carlson, a patent lawyer, had become obsolete enough to make it into the museum. Interesting. Last week you were talking about the mimeograph machine, and we were all smelling that smell that we had, even me, in school. For for us, though, mimeograph was some old guy in the hallway that was just writing things a hundred times and then passing them out. Uh, But when you went to school, the mimeograph machine was was a, an, a machine, and you smell the ink. Yeah, and now we're talking about the copier, and now we're probably yeah. bringing back memories of all these people sitting on it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's our look back at This Week in Tech History, brought to you by IFA in Berlin, the global innovation show since 1924 for consumer tech and home appliances, and by IFA Next, the launchpad for innovations. Get more info at ifa-berlin.com. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. And while you're at it, visit us at intotomorrow.com.
During these difficult times, we understand how important it is to stay healthy and safe. With so many of us confined to our homes and not being able to work, we feel the financial burden more than ever. Many folks lost their jobs and businesses. Others were furloughed and some are working from home at reduced pay. Keeping up with your bills is not easy under these circumstances. If you have credit card debt and cannot keep up with your monthly payments, we at Debt Fix Pros are here to help. Give us a call to see how we can reduce your interest rates and lower your monthly payments. Protect your credit and let us help you find a solution that fits your needs. We, your friends at Debt Fix Pros, are here to help. Let us take care of your credit card debt so you can focus on what is really important. Call for a free phone consultation at 1-800-539-9460. That's 1-800-539-9460. 1-800-539-9460. United we stand. 1-800-539-9460. Another Into Tomorrow tech tidbit for you, and yet another example of Apple spending money just because they can. While they were building a huge data center in the middle of North Carolina, they wanted to occupy the area that a couple had lived in for 34 years. When the couple refused to leave, Apple paid them $1.7 million for their plot of land that was only worth 181000 Well, Apple can afford it. Yeah, $1.7 million. It became one of those, you can't afford not to sell it to us now. Boy, have we got a deal for you. Why can't Apple want to buy my house? Uh, mine, too. And I'm on a lake. It, <laughs> they can buy my house. Anyway, welcome back into tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by StreamGuys.com, providing the 24-7 stream of Into Tomorrow on our website at intotomorrow.com. Nancy in Gilmer, Texas, listens on KTBB 97.5 FM. Welcome Into Tomorrow, Nancy. I'm hoping you can help me with a router question. I have a Linksys EA7300, and it has served me well, no problems. It covers our small home perfectly. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to reach out to my husband's shop, which is about 150 feet away. Do I just need to invest in a bigger, more powerful router, or is there some gizmo or something I can plug in somewhere to reach out there to his shop? Well, Nancy, 150 feet will put you at a range that Wi-Fi can handle for the most part, but not as well as most manufacturers like to advertise. If you have a direct line of sight to his shop, you can try moving the router as close as you can to it uh, and see if anything is picked up. Now, depending on obstacles and materials, nothing at all may be picked up, and obviously you may not be able to move the router at all. But if you can get it close to, like, a window at the back of the house nearest to his shop, that might do it. And you can plug in a Wi-Fi repeater closer to the part of the house that's nearest his shop or try to build a mesh network by buying a new router, something like an Eero or Orbi with a couple of endpoints in the house, including one as close to the shop as possible and one on the shop side as close to the house as possible. If the endpoints can talk to each other and you have a working network connection, you're all set. Now, if that doesn't work, you can use a directional antenna 
and of course point it to the shop's end should be pointed directly to the house. Uh, we've had luck in the past with C-Crane Super USB Wi-Fi antenna, but you may be able to get away with just a regular inexpensive directional antenna that replaces the antennas on a router that you'd have uh, to place in the shop. Yeah, failing that, your other option would be to run some wire to the shop. 150 feet of Ethernet cable wouldn't cost a great deal. Think under $50 if you bought Cat 7 that's rated for outdoor use. Uh, With that, you'd have a solid connection at that distance. But it does require some manual labor to install that wireless routers wouldn't. Yeah, don't just hang it from a tree or something like that. Don't be dangerous with it. Make sure you bury it properly. And let us know what you end up doing because it will certainly help others. And, and of course, we want to know your success. Intotomorrow.com.